Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance his kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Before we jump into this message, I just really wanted to follow up with each of you about our Kingdom Builders offering. Um, So super excited about the Kingdom Builders offering that we were able to take up as a church. And um, so the areas we can give are our building fund, our local missions, global missions, and future, which focuses on reaching the next generation. So as a church... We, we mentioned weeks ago about being about praying, asking the Lord, what can you give? What can you contribute? I encouraged you and challenged you uh, to make a contribution based on how the Lord led you. And uh, we have that dollar amount of what was given collectively through all the, the through all the areas. So the total for that was seven thousand two hundred ninety six dollars and fifty two cents. Now, that's super exciting because. I really believe that that's going to be $7,296.52 that we are able to plant in doing kingdom work. And uh, I'm believing that we're not just going to wait for opportunities, but we are going to find opportunities to invest in the kingdom of God this year. And if you, uh, if you gave, if you were praying, however your contribution for this, uh, I'm just believing that God is going to use that. He's going to multiply that, and that's going to allow us to do more than we've ever done as a church. Uh, so thank you. Can I give you a round of applause? All of you, a round of applause. Collectively, because uh, we couldn't have done it without you. Um, Kingdom Builders is something you can continually give to. It's not like a one and done. So if the Lord leads you later, hey, give to the local building or hey, man, give to, give to local missions, global missions or future. You can do so at any time. Just earmark it and we'll make sure that that seed gets planted in that field, in that area. So super excited about what the Lord's doing through that. But I wanted to definitely let you know what that total was, because if you give, we want to be diligent in telling you where that money, how much came in. And then we're also, I'm going to be excited about telling you how we were able to use that and put that in the ground. Amen. All right. So this morning we are still looking at our Love Came Down series and the title of this message is Getting More Presence. And, and I want to challenge you this morning that really in our life, that's what we need more of. We need more presence. Now, I remember as a child growing up, uh, how many of you remember the excitement of Christmas morning? Okay, let me, let me take, you, let, take you back down memory lane through my mind in, in, during Christmas time. You know, I remember going to bed and it was like, you got to go to sleep. If you don't go to sleep, you know, like all the details of Christmas morning. Um, so I'm laying in bed and I remember putting the cover over my head, trying to go to sleep. But with so much anticipation, anticipation and excitement, I couldn't go to sleep. And then finally... I would fall asleep, right? Well, let me tell you what I started doing. I don't know when, and I'm not going to tell you the age, but I'm going to tell you what I started doing. So what I started doing was go to sleep, and I would wake up in the middle of the night, and I would go scout the land, if you know what that means. Uh, Because there was gifts that were wrapped, there were gifts that were unwrapped, and we had access to our stockings. And I remember going and looking and like, you know, with... I'm talking about that excitement where you can't really yell because everybody's sleeping and you can't let mom and dad know that you're up. And then halfway somewhere between then and now, don't do the math, I started swiping my stocking. I'd take it to my bed. I would dump that thing completely out, look at everything in there, repackage it nice, neat, orderly. Don't tell the parents that I got to the stocking, put it back and act surprised the next morning. 
So if you're a child in here, don't do that. But, it, but I'll tell you what, then going to sleep after that was nearly impossible because I knew that the morning of presence was going to come. Now, each of us have experienced the excitement of Christmas morning, of experiencing the presence, of anticipating what you've asked for, what you've dreamed for, what you've worked for, what you're hoping is under the tree that you've asked for. But I will tell you what, when is the last time we have been just as excited about getting the presence of God. Because we, I'm telling you, this excitement was real. It was tangible. I believe, I believe, I believe. However you want to look at it, there was so much excitement in my spirit in anticipating the presence under the tree. And each of us are guilty of being just as excited about the Christmas presence under the tree. But when have you and I been just as excited about the presence of God in our lives? Now, I know that the presence of God is what we all need more of this year. Now, if you haven't figured out, we are talking about presence of God, not presence under the tree. Got it? You got that up, right? There is a difference. Don't mess up the words in a sentence. I'm learning to be a commander of the English language. Do not put the wrong word in there or it will change the meaning of what you're saying. So the whole heartbeat of this message is to pursue the presence of God. That there is nothing that you need or want more than the presence of God in your life. The presence of God is what we need more than we, than we realize. Now, we have to realize that Jesus being sent was God's way of allowing us access to his presence in a new intimate way. It wasn't that God didn't exist. It just allowed us access to him in a whole new, fresh, close, intimate way. And we should have full expectation of meeting him. And this is something we desperately need. Let's look at this passage from Ezekiel 36, 24 through 27. It says, for I will take you out of the nations, I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Now, when we look at this passage, how many things in this passage will we do? Very little. This passage is chocked full of what God will do. But we have to realize we just have to show up. We have to get in his presence. We have to allow God to do what only God can do. So he promises to change our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. When we get in his presence, things will begin to change. So it's getting close to him, but it's trusting him to do what only he can do. If you are working hard to be good enough, you will always fail. It has nothing to do with you striving. It has everything with you surrendering. And coming close to God's presence and being changed in his presence. Let's look at another passage from John 15, 18 through 19. It says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but you have been chosen out of the world. Do you realize that God has chosen you to belong to him? He has taken you out of the world and he has drawn you close to his presence. This is mind-boggling to me that the creator of heaven and earth wanted me. And he provided a way to draw me back to him when sin had separated myself from him, that he sent Jesus so he could redeem what was lost. 
that I could access his presence anytime I wanted. Psalms 140.13, it says, Surely the righteousness will praise your name, and the upright will live in your presence. Now realize, those who are not upright may not experience his presence. We have to realize that there was a chasm between our life and God that was sin. But it says that the upright will experience and live and dwell in his presence. But we have to realize that if we allow sin in our life, it will once again separate us possibly from the presence of God. How many of you ever have done something that you didn't mean to do or didn't want to do and you were waiting for the consequences of your parents? Right? Now, how close did you feel to the presence of your parents at that moment. When we mess up, we run and hide. We don't want to deal with it. We want to avoid them at all costs. Amen? I had a strategy. I said, man, if I can get my mom to laugh, she won't whoop me. <laughs> Try to lighten the load or run or take off, whatever I could do, right? Strategy to get out from what I deserved. But I want to challenge you this morning that if you are allowing sin in your life, is it forgiven? Absolutely. Will it cause a distance between you and God? Absolutely. Because it's not that God doesn't want to draw close to you, but when you have done wrong, do you realize you don't want to draw close? Because you feel filthy, you have violated something, you have done something wrong, and therefore there should be this righteous, godly uh, sorrow and repentance in your heart that deals with your heart. But when we choose sin, we know that it can separate but when we choose righteousness and we are upright before God, we can live and thrive in his presence. And that should be the norm. It shouldn't be a separation. Once you've been redeemed back into the Father's house, why would we choose to live elsewhere? I believe the devil can entice you. He can trick you. But I tell you what, we know what is the nature of the devil? To kill, to steal, and destroy. He is a liar and a deceiver, and a manipulator. And we have served him way too long in this lifetime. Why would we once again, once we've known Jesus and experienced the fullness of his presence, decide to go back and listen to the liar? Let us stay in the Father's house. Let us live uprightly in his presence because that's where we've been created to be. All right? So the upright, the righteous, they will live in his presence. God's presence is really what we can't live without in Psalms 51.11. This is a psalm of David when he committed one of the greatest sins of his life. He committed adultery. He committed murder. And this was his response of all of the things that he could have said. Here were the two most important responses that David had. He says in verse 11, chapter 51 of Psalms, it says, Do not cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Now, he could have said a whole lot of stuff, and guess what? David would like to talk. Look at the Psalms. He wrote, 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 communicated, communicated, communicated. But there were two things of his greatest concern. First and foremost, don't take me away from your presence. He understood that the presence of God enabled him to be the man of God that he was called to be. That there was nothing like it. You know, he didn't say, don't take my kingdom. Don't take my money. He didn't even say... You know, don't take, you know, like he, he, his main concern was between him and God, right? Now, there was some loss in that moment. There was consequence for sin. But the two things that he focused on was do not take me away from your presence or do not take your Holy Spirit from me. These were the two areas, the two things that he sought as the greatest treasure. God's presence and the Holy Spirit. 
without it would leave him empty and hopeless. Keeping the presence of God in his life was everything. We cannot experience the presence of God and remain the same. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, We are being transformed into his image from glory to glory. So that comes from the work of God by his presence in our life. That is the Holy Spirit's work changing us. That's what we need more than anything. Messages are good. Worship is great because when the presence of God is in the room, it is the catalyst for change. We need to realize that the presence of God causes us to change and become in the image of God. But we are all being changed from glory to glory to glory. I hope you're looking better and better, not worse and worse and worse. Amen. That's at least the goal. You got me there? Take one thing away. Well, pastor said get better and better, not worse or worse or worse. Right? <laughs> Use that bad English there. How you like that? Uh, we want to be looking more and more like Jesus. We want to be experiencing his presence in a real transformational way. That is the heartbeat of this church, ladies and gentlemen. We want you to come in and whatever you came in with that you can leave changed, unburdened, completely changed. That you come in expecting one thing and maybe you can leave completely with a different mindset. Walking lighter than maybe when you came in. But it's not what we do. But it is us allowing the presence of God to show up and to have his way in this place. Uh, my daughter asked me during worship, Daddy, why can't we sing more Christmas songs? I know she's thinking about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Frosty the Snowman. And uh, I just didn't entertain the conversation. But my thought was, that doesn't change us. That just entertains us. We want what changes us to be present in the room. And we know that when his presence shows up, it has the power to completely transform every area of my life. Well, pastor, what about these areas that I've been dealing with for a lifetime? Those things can change when they come in an encounter with the presence of God. It's not your power to change them, but it is your permission and your position in the body and showing up to church that will change you. Because we encounter the presence of God. We allow the Holy Spirit's work. We're like David say, Lord, take not your presence from me and take not your Holy Spirit from me. So for Christmas, all you need is more presence. Kids, you sticking with me, right? You know I'm talking about presence, not presence, right? Got me, Levi? All right. Just checking, man. He's like, Dad, Pastor Noe said, give me some more presence. All right. So this morning, I'm going to quote the famous words of Mariah Carey because I think she had it right and didn't realize it. She said, I don't want a lot for Christmas, but there's just one thing I need. I don't care about the presents underneath the Christmas tree. I just want you for my own more than you could ever know. Make my wish come true. All I want for Christmas is you. Now, before you're thinking of that boy or that girl, is our heart like that towards God? That there's nothing, Lord, that I need or that I want or that I even desire more than your presence in my life. Is that your response? Because once I've tasted and seen the goodness of the Lord, there's nothing else that compares. Lord, all I want is you. Lord, all I want is you. 
Change my passions, change my desires, change my affections, change my attention. Lord, that you would do that work in me and that you would do that work in us where we would be a people that are hungry and thirsty for his presence. It says those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. There has to be a hunger and an appetite and a desire for his presence. I believe most churches are absent of the presence of God because there is no hunger and thirst for God. Because I tell you what, God is willing and more than able to show up and to show up in power in places that he is welcomed. I tell you what, I wouldn't want to have church without the Holy Ghost and God's presence showing up. Otherwise, I'd just entertain you. And guess what? You think entertainment is going to change you? No, but I know the power of God will change us. It will change me. It will cause us to be better at everything we do. It will cause me to be a better pastor. It will cause you to be a better mom. It will cause you to be a better dad. It will change every part of our life. When the presence of God changes us. But Lord, all we want is you. When we get more of his presence though, ladies and gentlemen, we also get other benefits. We also get other things in our life. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. It says, for to us a child is born. To us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders. Listen to these words. It says, and he, and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, Prince of Peace, verse 7, of the greatness of his government and, and in his peace there will be no end. So when we get his presence, it also allows us to get other things. So we're going to look at five things this morning that experience his presence also allows us to receive in our life. So when we get more presence, it also allows us to get direction. Anybody, anybody ever been lost? We're supposed to take a right or we're supposed to take a left. Hey, pull it up on Google. Like you're lost out of your mind. You don't know where to go. When we get in the presence of God, we get direction of navigation, where we're going. It, it, it gives us clarity of vision. When you don't know where you're going or you can't see what's around you, getting in the presence of God is what flips the lights on. It's what gives you the ability to what was blurry and cloudy. It's like putting on your glasses. How many, how many people wear glasses or contacts? How many of you in bad shape when you're not wearing them? Morgan, he went higher and higher. Like, oh, that's, that's, that's the question. So we, we are hopeless. We are wandering around. But when we get direction, we spend time in his presence. It's like putting on those glasses. And all of a sudden, what was cloudy and unclear becomes clear. Because that's who God is. That's who he is. He is the wonderful counselor. Do you know what a counselor does? He tells you what to do. I remember in house, high school, when, you know, your counselor, whatever they're recommending, you just do it. You don't know any better. Well, I would take this class, and then you need to take this one and look at this elective. And I'm like, you're the boss. I don't know what I'm doing. And sadly, most of the time as Christians, we don't know what we're doing, but we serve a wonderful counselor that gives us guidance and direction and clarity of vision. It gives us direction in regards to what to do. We can see clearer than we ever have. John 9, 25, it says, one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Coming into the presence of God, coming into a relationship with him, I hope you are seeing clearer than you have ever seen. That doesn't mean I see beyond what he's shown me, but what is before me, I see very clearly. I know what to do. As, as a pastor, that is one of the things. When I get close to God, I experience his presence. I immediately know what to do. It's not because I'm that smart or I'm that good of a pastor, but I know when God shows me something, how to walk it out. He shows me what to do. He reveals what to do. 
John 14, 26, the Holy Spirit is, is communicated as an advocate, a comforter, a helper. Um, you guys have probably heard me say this, but the, the Bible will always give you the general will of God, but it's the Holy Spirit inside of us that gives us the specific will of God. Okay, I've never read in here, Noe, you are to marry Becky. I never found it. Read it cover to cover. I never saw it. What job to take, what job not to take, what, what, what I should do with my life, what God has called me to. Now, there are general specifics, but I have never seen the specific specifics. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes into play. The Holy Spirit will give you the defined clarity. How many of you have ever um, been in a position in your life where you had to make a choice and it, there was a right choice and a wrong choice? How many of you didn't know what to do? How many of you sought the Spirit of God or you flipped a coin? Which one did you go? Right? Well, you know, I think sometimes we say, well, you know, the Lord works all things together for our good. But guess what? God also is a director and a, and, and a comforter, and he will show you. He, well, he, he is a counselor that will tell you what to do. He can work out your mistakes, but how many of you know he'd rather you listen the first time and go the right direction than the wrong direction? Then you got to turn around. How many of you know when you got lost, you still got to come back where you went? You know, it's not like, oh, there it is. No, if it, there it is. You weren't lost. Right? It's getting back to that place where he wants to lead you to. So get it right the first time. When we experience his presence, we also get direction, that clarity of vision. Psalms 23, 2 through 3, it says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside, beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. So he will lead you. He will guide you. He will even refresh in your soul along the way. But if you don't want to be led or guided, he will lie you down on green pastures. You ever tried to put a kid to sleep at night that don't want to go to sleep at night? Kid, I'm going to put some hands on you. Stay in bed. Don't get up. If we will be led and we will be guided, that's great. But when we won't, he can cause us to lie down in green pastures. How many of you know lying down when you don't want to is sometimes hard? But he will lie you down in green pastures if we don't willingly just surrender to his leading in his presence. So, so number one, when we experience his presence, it allows us to get direction. Number two, it gets, gives freedom. This is a huge one. It says we serve a mighty God. This is the creator of heaven and earth that spoke things into existence, that set it up like he wanted because that's the way he wanted it. Why did it happen like that? Why did it have to be set up that way? Because God said this is the God we serve. He is a mighty God, but he does not want us to live in the shackles and chains of our previous life. It says that he has come to set the captives free. He gives us freedom in his presence. You should be more free today than you have ever been. If you're coming in shackled, that's okay, but you should leave free. God doesn't want you to be in bondage and, and broken and destroyed and held captive to the plans of the enemy. He wants you to be set free. Now, how many of you have ever been to a uh, carnival and you've seen the, the, the big elephants and, and how they're tied to a stake with a rope? Well, how in the world did that happen? Okay. So there is this rule of conditioning and mindset. When that elephant was a baby elephant... From an early age, they would get that stake and they would nail it to the ground and they would tie the little rope 
around their ankle. Well, every time that baby elephant would pull against that rope, guess what? He couldn't break it. So he got familiar with being bound. He got familiar with being stuck. And after a while, guess what? You just quit trying because you don't think that there's any way that you can do it. But let me tell you what, inside of you, there is the spirit of God churning and you serve a God of breakthrough and miracles. And as you grow, just like that baby elephant began to grow, the power within them to break that bondage is possible. How foolish does it look to be a full-grown elephant looking at that little stake and that little bit of twine that is holding you bound? Well, we know if that elephant came to his senses and decided, that ain't going to hold me no more. What do you think that elephant would have to do to break that twine? <laughs> is that all you got? But that we can be stuck because we have believed that we cannot break whatever it is that is holding us bound. The enemy is saying to you that you will never change. You will never be free. But God says today you are free and whom the son says free is free indeed. Son and daughter walk in the freedom I've called you to. In my presence it's possible. Get it down in your spirit. Release it. But now believe it and walk it out. That's what he wants for you. In his presence we experience this freedom like no other. It can change in a moment. It can change in an instant. 2 Corinthians 3.17, now the spirit of the Lord is, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. God sent his son Jesus to break the bondage of sin that holds us and to remove the grasp that the enemy had on our lives. Do you realize that the enemy no longer has a grasp on your life unless you kind of allow him? He's a trespasser. He's not allowed. Are you just going to let a robber come in and do whatever he wants? No, we locked the door. And in Texas, we got some bang, bang tools. We're not just going to freely let you come in. Why would we allow the enemy access to where he does not have permission to pass? You have to realize that you have believed a lie. Start locking that door. Start being prepared. And raise your voice a little bit and say, hey, you are no longer welcome here. There's the door. Here's the bloodline. You shall pass no more, son and daughter. Come on. You got it? You got it right here or you got it right here? You got to get this churning in your spirit because your mind will psych you out. Yeah, pastor, buddy. No, No, get it in your spirit and then it'll come out of your mind, okay? He's died so that we could have freedom in our life. Freedom is one of the major reasons Jesus came to the earth. He lived, he died, and rose again, defeating the enemy once and for all. All right. If you haven't, if you really feel like you are not experiencing the freedom that you want in your life, spend some time in his presence. When we experience his presence, realize the prison doors fling open and the shackles fall to the ground. I want you to know the door is opened and the shackles are just loosely sitting on you. But you have to break free of that. You have to stand up and you have to walk yourself out of the prison doors. All right. It's who God is. He's a, we serve a mighty God, a miracle-working God. He recovers sight to the blind, and he set the oppressed free. Luke 4, 18 and 19. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, and it's available to you and I. Open your eyes. Release the shackles of sin. Release the oppression that the devil no longer has the right to hold on you. And be all that God has called you to be. That's what he wants for you in your life.
man, I could stop right there. We could have church and go home. But guess what? His presence even does more than that. His presence gives us direction. His presence gives us freedom. Number three, we also get comfort. Thank God for the comfort of the Lord in our lives. It says Jesus, he communicated, he is an everlasting father. Looked at that, at that passage, an everlasting father. How many of you know that when dad is around, all is well? You know, I've empowered my son to start turning off the lights and locking all the doors because I'm too lazy to get out of bed. Just throw some transparency there. And he's old enough to do it. But you know what I still do? Even though I understand my son is responsible and he's probably done what he's supposed to do, you know what I still do? After I quit being lazy, and I'm like, all right, let me go double check. Because dad's supposed to always be on duty. I get up. Walk to the doors, make sure the doors are secure. And I'll even walk over there to my key fobs. I'm watching out for my wife too, leaving the van unlocked. <laughs> Keeping everybody honest, right? So I'll hit it, lock it, lock my truck, make sure everything's secure. How many of you know that a, a child who knows that his daddy is always on watch sleeps well at night? That there is comfort, there is peace, there, there is this reassurance that you don't have to worry about it. Because I know daddy's got it. When daddy is near, you should not be fear and fretting and worrying about the things of life. But you should be thriving in this place of comfort. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4, it says, Praise be to the God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all A-L-L, all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those others in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received. Matthew 10, 8, freely you have received, freely give. Now, if we look at this passage, it doesn't matter what you're going through. We serve a God of all comfort, all comfort. You know, I've done a few funerals, and I don't know how to preach a good funeral without Jesus. I mean, I really don't. Like, there's, that is the answer. Like, you can go, it's hard, it's difficult, you probably can't handle it, but guess what? Through Jesus, you can handle it. He is the God of all comfort. I may not be able to relate, I may not be able to understand, and that's accurately true, but let me tell you what God does. And Jesus understands everything that you're going through, everything that you've been through. And he wants to comfort you in every season and every moment of your life. But if we allow his presence to fully saturate us, we will be full of his comfort. You know, um, the most awesome part of this passage is it's not just for us, but it's for others. He says, when you have received comfort, you can also in turn comfort others. You can take what I've given you and give it to others. You know, Jesus was a, man, a selfless kind of guy. He always did for others. And if I'm giving you something, share it with others. The, the intent was not just you, even though, guess what? It benefits us greatly. But the whole goal was to take what God is doing in us and do it in the lives of others. How many of you need comfort this morning? Okay, how many of you know people around you that need comfort? All around us, every single day, every single moment, there are people who are needing comfort. And the God of all comfort is the only one that can do that. So we know that comfort will make our lives feel complete and it'll allow us to get through everything in life. But on the other hand, you cannot make it in this life without him. You will be a hot mess. 
I got it, Pastor. I promise. Well, you, you letting Jesus in this situation? Well, I got it, Pastor. Good luck. Bloom, bloom, bloom. Bottom of the pool. The end. Oregon Trail, you did not traverse the river well. Right? You didn't make it. You will not make it. You know, the comfort is, I think, God's life preserver to us. We're drowning. We're dying. Lord Jesus. And then he just that relief. Now, I want you to realize just because we are receiving comfort doesn't take us out of the situation, but it makes the situation endurable. Makes it a little bit better knowing that the God of all comfort is on my side. And I can call on that God of all comfort. Or if somebody around me has a need, I can give them the God of all comfort. That's what experiencing His presence does. It allows us access to the God of all comfort. We cannot experience this comfort without experiencing His presence. All right. So number four, uh, we get peace. So it says the Prince of Peace, the peace that has no end, Jesus. So uh, Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and will guard your minds in Christ Jesus. I want to tell you this morning, when we get in the presence of the God of peace, guess what? You will have peace. You can't be around the God of peace and not have peace. Now, you can be absent from the presence of God and therefore not have peace. But when you are around the God of peace, guess what? You're going to be rocking and rolling with peace all around you. Doesn't always make sense. It doesn't mean that it changes your situation, but yet you have peace amongst the storms of life. That you understand that there is peace beyond you that God gives us. It guards our what? Our hearts and our minds. And we have to realize that our hearts and our minds are some of the hardest things to control. How many of y'all have a mind that is wild? You'll be good, everything's good, and then you'll start thinking something. Right? Your mind is sometimes your, your greatest enemy. But I believe that that is where God wants peace to rule and reign in your life. Experiencing his presence allows that peace to wear that peace like a crown of honor. Right? It says guard our hearts, our emotions, all of those deep-rooted things. When we allow the peace of God to protect us, it protects the vital organ part of our life, the core of who we are. Remember he said he gives us a heart of, takes our heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh. Once God gives us a heart of flesh, you know he wants to protect that heart. He doesn't want it to be re-wounded or vulnerable. So we cover it by resting in his peace, by resting in his presence. I know fear is compounded and processed in the mind, but I believe that that peace also has to rule and reign in our mind and in our heart. But God is greater than our mind, and we have to trust in who he is. But if you know the Prince of Peace, you will have peace. When you're a son and a daughter of the God of peace, you'll have peace. Um, peace is who the Lord is, and getting in his presence allows you to rest in that peace. You know, it's kind of like getting underneath an umbrella. Doesn't mean that it's not raining outside, but when I get under an umbrella, what happens? Keeps me out of the rain, right? So I, I need you to realize the presence of God is like getting close to somebody holding an umbrella. Now, how many of you know if you're going to cuddle under an umbrella with somebody, you, you got to get kind of close and somewhat uncomfortable, now, I hope that you are comfortable with the presence of God enough that it is no problem for you to get under that umbrella and rest next to him and rest under that covering of his peace. When you get close to his presence, you will be under that umbrella of peace. Doesn't mean that the storm is removed, but the positioning in which you've positioned yourself keeps you from getting wet and from harm as you rest under the peace of God. It's a peaceful place to be because I don't worry about it. 
Pastor, what if lightning hits the umbrella? It's okay. Jesus is holding it. Don't worry about it. Like, I don't worry and I don't fret. I just stay close to his presence and I trust that everything is good. That he will give us peace. Peace that will endure. But that peace of God found in his presence allows you to protect your heart and your mind. And his peace is what he gives to us. And when we experience that peace, what are we to do with what we've received? We give that peace to others. So getting more of his presence allows us to what? Get direction. Get freedom. Get comfort. Get peace. And if that wasn't enough, I have one more for you. It allows us to get joy. We should be people that are excited and happy and pleasant to be around. You should not be the Grinch that is trying to steal Christmas, right? You know, you should be the one that is, that is, is sharing that holiday cheer, should be really excited about the things of life. Well, pastor, you don't understand Christmas. I'm not, this isn't a Christmas thing. This is a lifestyle thing. That I should be a person of joy, not just during Christmas, because I have to in the lights and the stockings. and uh, No, this is a lifestyle thing. That when I'm in his presence, I experience joy. And, you know, in Psalms 1611, it says, you make known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. So in his presence, there is fullness of joy. Now, fullness, it, it, it doesn't leave room for anything else. So I can't know the fullness of joy either absent from the presence of God. Now, this Christmas, I know that there are some of us trying to find joy in possessions or gifts or whatever it is. Now, let me tell you what. I'm smart enough to know, know that gifts do bring pleasure and they bring joy. But the difference is it's temporary joy. Because then I get stuck where like, man, this is cool. This is awesome. But then what? Right? And you always want something else, always chasing the next best thing. But it is temporary joy. But if we experience the presence of God, which is, which is the fullness of joy, I won't be hungry for anything else. Because I have found fullness of joy in his presence. That nothing else satisfies. That if I could have just one thing, it would be like David said, your presence, Lord. Your Holy Spirit, Lord. That's what I want more than everything, anything. There's nothing under the Christmas tree this year that will bring you this fullness of joy. If you're sad or you're discouraged or you're weary, you need to encounter his presence so you can encounter the fullness of his joy. You should be happy. You should be excited. You should be bubbling over where people look at you when you're walking through the store and they're like, man, what is wrong with this person? Man, the Lord's just been good. That you are a joy giver, right, to everyone you encounter. That people see the difference. They recognize the difference. You live the difference. There's two passages from Nehemiah. Nehemiah 8, 10, and then verse 17. It says, go and enjoy cho choice food and sweet drinks and send, send some to those who have nothing prepared. The day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And then in verse 17, it says, From the days of Joshua, son of Nun, until that day, the Israelites had not celebrated like this, and their joy was very great. 
Now, they were reading the law. They were looking at all of these passages, and there was weeping, and there was just kind of this somber demeanor, and they were just humbly before the Lord. But there was something that changed when they experienced the joy of the Lord in his presence, that this was the day of the Lord's coming, that they encountered his presence, and everything changed. It says that they never celebrated like this. It was a monumental shift in their response. Now, it's easy to say what joy is, but what does joy look like? Joy looks like shouting. Joy looks like leaping. Joy looks like celebrating. Joy looks like when your favorite football team won. Not when your favorite football team lost. We've been on both sides of that, right? Kicking all kinds. I've been there. Right? It's expressive. Now, we don't have the team right now this morning to respond to that, but I want you to focus on something. Next time you get the privilege of coming to the house of the Lord and coming into his presence, can we look like we have the fullness of his joy in our spirit? I mean, if you're just a, a statue person, get a little sway in your step. I don't, I don't know what to move from where you are to where you need to be. Get excited about the presence of God. Allow his fullness of joy to come out. Shake up that Coke bottle a little bit and then loosen the lid. See what comes out. Something's going to come out when we experience the presence of God. You cannot experience the presence of God and remain the same. Can you stand up with me this morning? We want to look like people that have experienced his presence and be forever changed. We want to dance. We want to celebrate. We want to leap. We want to be free. We want to experience his comfort. We want to experience his peace. We want to experience all of these good things, first and foremost, for my sake. But secondly, for the kingdom's sake. Because I take everything that God has given me and I give it to the world around us. If you've been looking for God in other places, you've missed it. This is the place. This is the moment. This is the time. It will only be found in his presence. So what we all need this year is more presence of God in our lives. So baby, you say I can return that gift? right? It won't satisfy you like the presence of God. I want to challenge you this morning. What do you think right now would happen if each of us individually asked God for more of his presence in our life this Christmas? Think about that. What would happen if right now I said, God, I want more of your presence in my life. I've been distracted been disobedient but this year Lord I want more of your presence what do you think a loving good father would do he would say son he would say daughter you can have as much of me as you want and it's up to us the scripture says if you draw near to me I will draw near to you we position ourselves in his presence and then he changes us when we get his presence we get all the rest of the things that go with him and your life will be forever changed. Can you close your eyes all around this room? Today, if you would say, Pastor, I need more of God's presence in my life, can you just lift your hand up and put it back down for me? All right, now you acknowledge you need it, but now how many of you would raise your hand and put your hand back down and say, Pastor, I want more of his presence in my life. Lift your hand up real high, real high, real high, and then put it back down. Often in the Bible, he would respond to people. He says, according to your faith, may it be done. 
So my prayer this morning for each of you that boldly and courageously raised your hand is that you would experience the presence of God in your life like you have not either ever or in a long, long time. That's my heart for you. It says, come and drink deep of my goodness. See if I will not satisfy all of the longings and the cravings of your heart. Taste and see if I'm good. But once you have tasted, nothing else will satisfy. You can search all the face of the earth. Have all of the treasure, all of the wealth, all the prosperity according to the worldly standards. But without me, you will be left wanting more. But today, in my house, there is fullness of joy. There is fullness of peace. There is fullness of comfort. There is fullness of freedom. Whatever you have need of today, son and daughter, the gates are open wide. It's time to exit the prison cell and enter into an eternal kingdom where there is fullness and goodness of God all around. Can I get the prayer team to come up, please? This morning, before I release you, if... uh, If you just want someone to pray with you personally and you say, man, I just want somebody to agree with me, that's what the prayer team's here for. Not saying God can't do what he wants to do right where you're at, but I have seen the power of a response. First, said, man, I don't know, but I need freedom, pastor. I don't know, but I need this peace. I need this comfort. I need this joy thing. I'm such a miserable person. Be honest with yourself because the enemy wants you to lie to yourself. Whatever you have need of today, the Father willingly will give. But he requires us to ask in order to receive the fullness of what he has for us. Amen. I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm going to dismiss you. And when I dismiss you, if you desire extra prayer or you want to make your way to the altar and just spend time in his presence, we are not going to get in a hurry. You're free to stay as long as you want. But I'm going to pray a blessing over you that from this moment forward, you will begin to experience the presence of God like you never have. Amen. Lord, I thank you for each family, individual represented here this morning. Lord, I pray that this holiday season will be full of your presence. We're not waiting until January 1st to experience your presence. We want your presence now. Father, I pray for all the brokenness, all of the fear, all the insecurity. Father, that today that your sons and daughters would be full of boldness and a courageous spirit. God, I pray that all that you have for them would be released to them. Father, I pray that not another day would the devil rob and destroy all that you have for them. Lord, I pray that today that they would feast on your goodness, that today that they would be full of your presence and full of life. Lord, I pray that this would be the greatest Christmas holidays that maybe we've experienced in a long time. Maybe it's because we didn't think it could be any better. But Father, with you, it gets sweeter and sweeter and sweeter. So as we go from this place, I ask God that you'd go with us. Allow us to live lives full of your presence. And Father, as we receive, that we would be a people that take and also give to the world around us. Lord, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the gift of salvation. Lord, I thank you for redeeming a place where we could encounter your presence in a real way. Father, take not your presence from us, but renew a steadfast spirit inside each of us as we live this life full of you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. I love you. Have a Merry Christmas. 
Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.